1: It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. We were looking last time in the first seven verses. Uh, We said there are five things that is kind of in a... Uh, a group by themselves. First of all, verse number one, Solomon says seek wisdom. I've got to remind you in this chapter, he mixes things between the worldly wisdom that he has succumbed to over the years and the godly wisdom that he had at the beginning. And through this, he's not always going to be 100% correct with the worldly wisdom, that which is under the sun. But he does make points that you will say, that sounds true to me. And the Bible, you know, has other places that say things. And so we will try to pull some principles out of this to help us to see things constantly and totally from the godly wisdom, not the earthly wisdom, or that which is under the sun, which cannot be grasped because it's like grabbing hold of the wind. So we looked at you need to seek wisdom and you need to submit to authority. And the Bible does show that in other places. So we know that that is true with the one and only one exception uh, that we ought to obey God rather than man. So when God's edicts and laws and commandments that we're told we are to obey as a Christian conflict with that which the government says we can no longer or can do, then we must obey God. And many people have died as martyrs and gone to the stake and died in horrible deaths and all kinds of ways and tortures just simply because they would not recant and say that they did not believe in Jesus Christ. They wouldn't do that. And I love Polycarp who said, 84 years old am I, when they finally got hold of him. And uh, he said, he has never done me no harm. And I'm not going to do him no harm. Not going to happen. In fact, his prayers were so powerful that as he prayed, the people who were taking him were falling down on the ground for the power of God that was bringing, that he was praying down as he was being led because he was just going to go and stay true to God, sing. And they had a hard time getting him to burn. You need to go to Fox's Book of Martyrs and read about polycarp well now we're going to look at the last three we need to first eight see our limitations in verses nine to 14 we need to study God's providence and then in verses 15 to 17 we need to savor the life that God has given us let's look at the first one in verse number eight and you need to see the limitations this is what Solomon is saying you got to watch it. there are limitations in life. And if you look at this throughout history, you'll know that, humanly speaking, this is true. That God has a higher uh, vantage point and a higher uh, ability than we do. First of all, he says there are limitations in the death of people. Look at the first part. There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Now, the word spirit there in the Hebrew can be translated the, the spirit of a man, the wind, uh, there are, it can be translated breath. Uh, it has a, about three or four things that all fit within that. And uh, it's okay because it can mean the wind, it can mean the human spirit, life, breath, all that. Well, it probably is imploring all of those meanings. Solomon, with his wisdom, would have used something that would implore all of them. And basically, there's no question, no man hath power over his spirit to stop it from leaving. You cannot retain the spirit. So if it's the spirit with them, if it's the wind, no man has any power to stop the wind you can't the word retains everything to do with restrain or grab hold of it you can't go out there and get the wind and hold it in your hand you can't hold it back you can't push it back it can push you back but it's not you're not going to push it back no man has power to retain the spirit since the context uh, is dying we're going to say the spirit of the man but here it is neither hath he power in the day of death no you have no power It is appointed unto man, wants to die. So let's look at the non-Christian. There's an appointment day. I really wonder if uh, you understand clearly and correctly the fact that you don't have anything to say about it. Now, I realize people do things. They'll take their own lives and stuff like that. But the truth is God has an appointment day, and he knows that day. And if you're lost, that day could be today, it could be thirty years from now. But do you want to risk dying today and going to hell forever? For all eternity? Or do you want to get saved? Now, say person, you don't have a clue either. When the doctor says whatever he says, that's not in his hands. And uh I'll be honest, as a pastor, for a lot of decades for a lot of decades I can tell you I've had doctors look at my people of the church and say six weeks six days six months and they have gone way past it not all but many have they looked at someone said you've got about four or five years gone in a few days I've seen it all kinds of ways I can remember in one particular case where they said to the person you will be dead in a week and they just took him off of every medication said it's hopeless you're done no more but guess what when they took him off all the medication he rebounded for 6 months now I realized it was 6 months but hey that wasn't a week here's the what I'm saying when they diagnosed me with cancer they uh, told me the, of the cancers, it's one of the rougher ones to die from if you don't try to stop it. And though they can't cure it, it's one of the ones that they can try to keep in check for a longer time. And you'd end up usually then succumbing to the medications as they wear out your vital organs. So, uh, you know, it makes you with a decision. Do you want to have all your bones continue to break, 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 break till you're like a beach ball? And they showed me a picture of the classic case. Or do you want to try some things to try to push it back and fix the blood plasma and pray? But this is what I I knew. This is what I knew that day. I knew that God knows when I'm going to die. Now, before I ever got diagnosed... To have worried, now think about this with me, to have worried about being diagnosed with cancer back when I first got married, when I was 24 years age. In fact, I was actually 23. Uh, Then a a couple months later, I turned 24. From 23 to what was I, 59, I think. I'd have to go back and think about that. But whatever it was, 23, 33, 43, 50—for over 30 years. If I worried about that, that's 30 years of worrying over something that never happened in 30-something years. God had the day, and he knew, but I didn't, so why worry about it? I don't know when I'm going to die. Now, that night when they left, God gave me a verse as I had my devotions, and everybody had left, and he didn't give me a day. What he said was, I would preach the word and continue to live. That has been four and a half years. I could die tomorrow. I could die today. I could die this year. I could die in 10 years. I can't worry about that because if I do, it just stops me from living today. I literally need to live today. So we we have no power over this. Why do we spend so much energy on that which we have no power? And the truth is when I don't feel good and the medication really messes with me, I generally listen to the radio or uh, while I lay on the couch and just try to Hope that I'll get better. And when I feel good, I act like I don't have it. And I go to work. I know I have to be cautious to be about being around people, and I do that. But I usually I do all my work from my home, and that is a great thing. And when I go out to preach, I have to make sure my immune system's up. But thank God for that ability to be able to work from the house. And I just act like I don't have it till I get sick. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right, you're sick. <laughs> and I go lay down. And that's the way I have dealt with it from day one. Secondly, he said, not only is there limitations of the death of, of, of people, but there is also limitations in the discharge of war. Now think about this. He says, and there is no discharge in that war. There's, there, what he's saying here is you can't release it. You can't go stop it. We can be mad about it, and we can rebel against it, and we can have our protests against it. But around the world, at any given time in my lifetime, has there ever been a year of no war somewhere? No. You can't. You're limited on what you can do. You can't stop a war by yourself, especially a war that's not here. And World War I, World War II... And Korea, and you've got Vietnam, and then we went into, of course, we've got other wars that have been fought. It, you go into the wars of the Iraqi wars and the Afghanistan wars, and now the war on terror. It, it, it's never ending. And then he said, Neither shall wickedness deliver those who are given to it. And this one's one of the ones that dismays a lot of Christians and it dismayed Solomon. The deliverance. Of the wicked. They're so rampant. The wicked just works and does and goes what they can. But you know what he says here? He said the wicked can't deliver the wicked. He said wickedness cannot deliver the wicked from their wickedness. What they're engaged in won't deliver them. What you're engaged in as a Christian in the word of God. With the Holy Spirit. And Christ abiding in you. And you in him with your holy heavenly father. Oh, guess what? you are in good shape why because that'll make a change but wickedness cannot change the wicked salvation can change the wicked from a sinner to a saint yep Solomon said there are limitations then he said in verse 9 to 14 study God's providence and uh, what he's saying here is you need to take a look and see about how things work in the world, how God's got things set up, and realize that God's not out of control. People do what they do, but God's not out of control. Verse 9, All this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. Here we go. I've looked at all the things that people do without God. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another man to his own hurt. What we see Here is domination. He said, I've watched under the sun where people don't have God in their life. People dominate other people. There's a lot of truth to that. And there's a lot of politicians that dominate certain groups of people. And they uh, certainly are doing what they're doing because they want to get things When the Bible makes it clear, if you don't work, you don't eat, there's a lot of people that dominate in the world, that they're dictators, and they dominate over people and say, this is what you're going to do, and you will not do this, and if you do, we'll kill you. Well, This is worthy of death. There's a lot of things. There's a dominion spirit, a grab hold and put persons in servitude. But there's also another situation, verse 10. And when we look at verse 10, we see doom. Oh, this doom and gloom crowd. Well, under the sun, it is doom and gloom. Without Christ, without God, it is doom and gloom. Verse number 10, And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity, emptiness, meaningless, life. It doesn't, just doesn't seem like anything happens. He says, I don't get this. He said, people are buried in honor, and then everybody forgets them. Well, it's true, you know, with the exception of extremely famous people. How many people do you know that you remember that died in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, 1500s, unless it's somebody that's famous. Uh, we think about that. How many people do you know who died in the 1900s? You'll know some. They're related to you. We may know, for instance, you know, like I say, famous people. Uh, we the, the presidential assassination, the first one in my lifetime, was in uh, 1962 there with John F. Kennedy. yeah. But he said there's something there that just doesn't seem right. But then, not only doom, but in verse 11, he said there's delay. Now, this is a great verse, America. Watch this. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them, to do evil when you don't execute the sentence quickly when there's not a a fair and quick sentencing of a guilty person once a crime has been committed man they just are encouraged to do more evil and more evil oh i'm not going to be putting the death penalty i'll have all kinds of time of appeals and blah 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 and away we'll go and, boy, he, listen, be, the Bible says, whosoever sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. There there's, are things that are de- deterrent. I always get tickled when people say, Preacher, uh, the capital punishment does not deter crime. Want to bet? There was a man by the uh, name of, uh, and his name escapes me right at the moment, very famous serial killer that Dr. Dobson actually interviewed in prison he killed 99 women if he had been handled the first time he was found guilty of a murder and been dealt with guess what there would be 98 women alive today now sometimes they don't find him right away and more things happen but I Bundy was his name but there are things that if it had been dealt with the way it should have been dealt with then you would find that there would be no bunch of people alive because they would not they themselves would not have been around to have killed him. Yeah, it is a deterrent to crime. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Then we come down to verses twelve and thirteen and we see decision. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged. He just, he just evil, and yet he gets his days prolonged. Yet surely I know, Solomon said, that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Thank God for that. We'll come back to that. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. He's saying there, though a sinner can commit hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sins over and over and over and still live a long time, it goes a whole lot better with God fearing people because of their standing in fear with Him, because they are in awe and reverence and His holiness. But it will never go well with the wicked, no matter when they die, because their days are like a shadow. It's just there, but you can't grab hold of it. It's like the vapor of James. It's gone, and they're done. And because they did not fear God, they're over. They won't be able to plead their way in, beg their way in. They won't be able to scam their way in, and they won't be able to work an evil work to get their way in. They're in trouble. And then finally Solomon says, Savor the life that God has given you. He says in verse number fourteen, there is a vanity. Here he, he uses the word vanity twice in here, and I want you to see this because what he's saying is, empty, empty, empty. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth. That there be just men, righteous men, unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked man men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous i said that this also is vanity emptiness he said here's something that's just crazy this is something that goes on all the time here on this planet he said i've watched it sometimes there are righteous people who get what the wicked deserve and that just don't make sense the psalmist said that why are the wicked getting away with this what is going on i'd like to just give you some help here When a wicked person seems to be getting getting away with it, they're not. God has the record, and it's all on case. The fact that they're living can mean one of two things. Number one, it can mean that uh, they are fulfilling a purpose that God wants. Wicked people have performed things for God that they didn't know they were doing. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, the Babylonian captivity, is one of those things. But... There's also the fact that they could get saved. And man, I'm telling you, we want to see people get saved. When you look at the wicked person, man, they're so wicked. And I prayed this prayer many times. Lord, save them. But if they're not going to be saved, stop them. Stop them. They're too wicked. Stop them. And he will because the Bible says the wrath of man will praise him or he'll restrain it. He says, uh, I've looked at this and... Boy, I'm telling you, there is something going on here. It's just empty, vanity. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and be merry, for that shall abide him without the labor of days of life, which God hath given him under the sun. This is kind of a complicated verse, and I want to deal carefully with it because we know the Bible says about the rich man who said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. That was his attitude. I don't believe that's what Solomon said here at all when he used the phrase, which God hath given him under the sun. What he's saying here is, uh, I'm saying you might as well enjoy things when you have this life without God under the sun. So eat, drink, and be joyful because uh, at the end of your days of toil, uh, you know, it's over. So you might as well enjoy it while you can. Now, some people go a little step further and think that it means even more than that. Uh, God, and I, I would agree God wants us to enjoy our life. But the truth is Christians can enjoy the life just simply by living day by day for him. Amen. Because every day. have Thank you, Lord. I woke up, it's a gift from God. But the lost should live each day as a gift from God, saying today they could get saved. But they don't see that. And you're praying someone will bring the gospel, the Holy Spirit will convict, and they will come to know him. Listen, under the sun, you might as well enjoy what you got because you're not going to enjoy anything hereafter. This is it. Listen to me. This is the only hell a Christian will ever serve. This place, this planet called Earth. It, and yet God said, you can enjoy me, enjoy it. Boy, we've done it too. Hallelujah. But he also said that then you get heaven forever. So you're in good shape. But to the wicked, this is the only heaven you'll ever have. It don't get as bad as this earth is. You better enjoy it because when it's done, Luke 16, it's not good. It's not good. Under the sun, you end up in a place called hell. And the Bible says that that rich man lifted up his eyes not in torment singular he said in torments plural so we see that then we look and says when i applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth then in parentheses he says for also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes then i beheld all the work of god that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. Here we're dealing with an interesting thing with Solomon again and his crazy thinking when he tried to gain wisdom by observing the activity that was going on around him uh... it was like preventing him from having a good day he couldn't hardly sleep he would think so much he was constantly constantly thinking day and night his mind was going and let me tell you he had a rough time because he was now at his older age he is coming back to some of the things that he knew as a younger person and he's clashing worldly wisdom with godly wisdom and they will not mix they won't it's like when you put two things together and shake them in the science class and they separate because the density of one is different than the other and one's on top and the others on bottom they separate you cannot mix them and he said because of that, he discerned that all God was doing. He said, no one, here's really what he came out to the conclusion of the chapter, was no one at all comprehends really what's going on on this earth. Nobody understands everything that's going on. Nobody knows. You don't know what's going on in this earth. Solomon observed that the business and business of people was just not getting them anywhere. He's just kind of saying, look, you are using the, pr- the things of life and the pressures of life to, and the works of life to just rob your mind of sleep and do anything. And he said, nobody can fully comprehend what God is doing. He said, I, I'm, I'm the wisest man in the world, and I can't comprehend everything that God, I don't understand God. What a horrible thought. Then I beheld all the work of God. He said, I did everything I could to discover. I tried to get hold of what God was doing. I tried to understand what God was doing. And he said, and he puts himself here. He doesn't say me, but he said, even if a wise man. Isn't that something? Wow. He said, he said, though a wise man think to know it, just shall he not be able to find it. He said, though a wise person claims that he understands, he really can't. He said, he can't get hold of it. He can't grasp it. He didn't have the capability of figuring God out. And by the way, I've heard people say, I got this God thing figured out. No, you do not. One thing I will tell you as uh, my wife and I, husband and wife, love our Lord, have listened to him and tried to be in the perfect will of God the best we could. My wife and I have been together 40 years in a few months, and we have come to this conclusion, and we've said it in the last probably 10, 15, 20 years, many, many times. As we look back over what God has done in our life and where he's moved us and what he's had us do and the things he opened our eyes to, I said, anybody that thinks that God made sense, in a human form is crazy the things that god asked us to do no human being thought was right we did exactly what god said well everybody else told us we were nuts we were scared but we stepped out by faith god honored what i found out is god doesn't make sense to the way i was taught in the worldly wisdom but god makes perfect sense in his world and i thank god for it my friend You can't comprehend totally God. Just obey him, love him, adore him, enjoy him, enjoy each and every day, and thank him you're getting to go to heaven. And pray for somebody who's on the brink of hell. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, encourage our hearts in your name. Amen.
0: Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through.
1: You have been listening to the teaching timeless truths the radio broadcast with pastor roger walton you can send all correspondence to ttt at gmail.com tune in again next week for another timeless truth